0: Hello and welcome everyone to the LSU Sports Podcast from the Red Zone Report. I'm your host, Scott Girard, joined as always by my other co-host, Tommy Johnson. Uh, today we're going to be giving a, a little a little background on some LSU football recruiting, some preseason honors, and uh, there are some also recruits on campus. We're going to touch on basketball, which uh, the NBA draft just passed, we'll, we'll cover that, and then uh, maybe a few baseball tidbits as well. Uh, but Tommy, how are you doing? Doing well, Scott. How are you? Doing to excellence. Yeah, yeah. Back again. Uh, yeah, I was. I was thinking. You know, this might be one of our uh, grab bag weeks where we just pick something nostalgic about LSU. But uh, you know, once again, it, 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 they don't seem to be failing us lately. A lot of a lot of news coming out. Um, mostly with uh, football recruiting, which uh, we're going to get right into. Um, Got to give Coach O credit here because not only did he have three recruits give their commitment this week, but he had three defensive tackles give their recruits their commitment this week, uh, starting on Monday with Patrick Jenkins. He's a three-star defensive tackle out of uh, John Eric in Marrero. Uh, then on Tuesday, Eric Taylor, who is a four-star defensive tackle out of a uh, Alabama gave his commitment. And then uh, just like dominoes falling, on Wednesday, uh, Jalen Lee, another four-star defensive tackle, uh, but he's out of uh, Live Oak in Watson, Louisiana, gave his commitment. And uh, that's that's quite a succession of commitments. And then he had Jacoby and Guillory uh, on campus this week. He had, my goodness, he, he had uh, Jacqueline Roy last week. And uh, that's quite a haul from, from Coach O just in one week, right? Yeah. Yeah. Especially uh, at a, at a position that's really
1: needed. You know, we love to talk about the, uh, the long line of great running backs that LSU has. Uh, We love to talk about the speculation of quarterbacks, who's coming, who's going to be the next starter. But you know, SEC football is one in the trenches and it's one, and you need those big, uh, big bruising D tackles, D ends, offensive tackles, offensive guards. And uh, and you need a lot of them, and so to get three, and, uh, you know, I don't. I don't worry too much about um, the stars. You know, obviously everybody talks about five star recruit, five star recruit, but for one thing, those those uh, those rankings fluctuate a ton. Uh, another side note: the uh, both rivals and two four seven sports are owned by Bama fans, so there's a lot of speculation that. Um, that as a as a person commits to l s u their their stars are likely to go down. I can't speculate why I can't begin to think why that would happen, but yeah, I
0: can't think of any reason either, but go but, on <laughs> yeah exactly
1: and then and then you know also miraculously, it's very interesting when you decommit from l s u you instantly gain a star or maybe even two, so it's real uh <laughs> so I, I don't know i you know I'll just leave that up to the the listeners to figure that one out, but the point is is that we've got three uh Three, you know, great D tackles coming in. I'm excited for all of them to uh, to join the team, and uh, you know, you'll you'll look at them to take the places of uh, a, uh, a Richard Lawrence or you know some of the other D tackles that we have now. Who yeah, Braden Fajeko.
0: I imagine Clayvon oh, okay. Chaseon will be gone. Yeah, uh, I mean, he was more of a hybrid linebacker, but he, he you know he would he would be on the line regardless. Yeah, yeah,
1: especially with the with like a. Uh, if you're running like a a three four where that, that linebacker will come down and play, you know, an outside linebacker type will play as like a DN. Um so yeah, you know, it's it's always good news. The 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 uh the skill positions are the ones that that are kinda you know, they're the more touted positions. Everybody loves to watch their highlight films. But to win consistently at, at LSU football, I mean at S E C you know, high level football, it, you've got to get the good lineman.
0: You do. You do. Uh, and one of them, Eric Taylor, uh, he, he actually had an offer from, from Alabama, uh, and his high school is just over an hour away from Tuscaloosa. So with all the talk about, oh, uh, you know, Sabin's still pulling players from, from LSU's backyard, uh, Coach Joe just got one out of Saban's. And I thought that was kind of impressive because, you know, he, he chose to go out of state to play to play at LSU when he could have just gone down the road to Tesco or gone up the road to Auburn. Mm-hmm. So I think that that says something right there. Um but also one thing I noticed uh you know one of the other the defensive tackles that the fans have been keeping an eye on, you know, the guys that follow recruiting, uh Jacoby and Guillory, who, like I said, was there this weekend, but uh Jacqueline uh, Roy or, or Wah, if you're French, uh he was there last week and it just seems interesting about the timing of it all that he's here, you know, last week and then boom, 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 you have three commits and then another one of your, uh, your star recruits at the same position is there this weekend. So, uh, that could be really exciting. It could be, you know, maybe there's a reason for the timing. I, I don't know, but I guess, I guess we're, we're left to wonder, but it's just, it's just interesting. I saw it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think, I think one thing that talking about the timing, I, I do think that they, they schedule a lot of these things, a lot of these, you know, recruiting matcha or recruiting uh, events and uh, visits to, to kind of play off each other. So if you can get a couple of guys who are going to be playing together, you know, you put them, you, you schedule them on the same weekend, they get to meet each other. Um, and then also, you know, you could, they, they, a lot of times they'll play, play players off each other, in a more negative sense, too, is, you know, well, he's going to commit. It's time for you to, you know, you need to make a decision kind of thing. So right. I wouldn't be surprised if, if you know, if we, if uh, Jacoby and Guillory, you know, comes out in the next couple of weeks, if, if he, you know, he pops one way or the other for LSU, maybe. You know, right looking, right now looking at uh, 247, he's a 100% recruit, uh, for 100% crystal ball predicted to LSU. Um that's by Shay hmm. Dixon, who's a good follow on Twitter. If anybody keeps up if anybody wants to keep up with recruiting, I'd follow uh Shay Dixon and also uh uh Josh Lemoyne, he's a great follow. In fact, we were thinking about trying to get him on the podcast. I'd love to get him on there and talk to him. But Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, that'd know, be great. Uh, I know that I, I'd heard that might be possible, so
0: stay tuned for Josh <laughs> <Lemoyne>. But <laughs> yeah, nice, nice little teaser there. Well yeah. good job. Um yeah, so I just want to give a a quick rundown. So there are, there were two, uh, I mean, there were some guys that were already committed. I know Elias Ricks was there, uh, running against some of the receivers. He was actually asking, you know, just put me up against the best. And, and they did. Uh, but they also had TJ Finley and Max Johnson, both, uh, quarterbacks that are, they're already committed. They were there. Uh, TJ Finley was actually just selected for the elite 11 camp, which is, uh, Kind of like the the prominent uh, quarterback competition camp in the country, mm-hmm. uh, so that's that, that that's good news. just another another sign of his talent, and also uh, Garrett Neusmeyer was also there, and I I've been waiting to say this name, General Booty. <laughs> and that's, that, that wasn't an adjective. That's, that's, you know, that was his name. Uh, and then if you're, if you're, if you're thinking booty, that, that sounds familiar It's because it is, uh, his dad was actually uh, Abram booty, a wide receiver, uh, for LSU, I think back in 97 and 99, uh, who is also the brother of Josh booty who played quarterback right around that time. So there's a, just a legacy of booty going through LSU. And I, I know, I know LSU fans would, would just uh, have a field day with that one, but um, a lot of good quarterback talent showing up at these camps. And uh, he, uh, one guy, a uh, wide receiver, uh, there was some, some video that came out, uh, Alex Adams, that guy looked great. He's uh he's one of the top prospects out of Mississippi. Uh, and just some of the moves he was putting on and just the speed that he was showing, Uh, was fun to watch, but again, a lot of good talent at these camps and, uh, you know, just uh, LSU recruiting just seems to keep trending upward. You know, a lot of guys are starting to catch on, it seems, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, It's great to have Elias Ricks on campus. Like we talked about in the past podcast, like he's, I mean, he's one of our greatest, he's one of our greatest recruiters and he's not even on staff. So uh, having him there, you know, kind of Hyping up the hyping up the program in a way that a coach really can't. Uh, it's it's great to see. Um, I you know I don't now I don't follow uh, you know other uh, other schools recruiting very closely in the same way that I follow LSU. But I I don't hear about players like that hyping up you know Alabama or Auburn or uh, Georgia or you know take your pick. I I think that mm-hmm. I don't know if that's you know because I'm not looking hard enough, but it's definitely unique that over the past two years, we've got Cardell Thomas and now Elias Ricks who are really taking it upon themselves to, uh, to act as an advocate for the program. So it's, it's really great to see. And then also it was great to see him, you know, kind of go up, like you said, one-on-ones against some of our top, uh, top talent. Um, I, you know, we, I don't think I've, I've seen him play uh, outside of just highlight films from, from high school ball. So that was pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it was. And, uh, you know, you just got to love the moxie of the guy that's saying, just put me up against the best. I want to – you want that type of, you know, competitiveness.
1: Oh, yeah, especially a swagger it's your, it's from an game. LSU cornerback.
0: Oh, definitely, definitely.
1: That's the, that's uh, I know I – Well, I was just going to say, that's the lineage of a guy – I mean, this is a guy who I can already see wants to wear number seven. This is a guy who wants to – he wants to be the next Tyron Matthew, Patrick Peterson, Grant Delpit – you know the playmaker and you know I love that in a guy already you know now he'll have to he'll have to come in he'll have to put, prove himself and and uh you know work work hard and um develop his game but I like the energy already
0: yeah same here same here uh and he's uh you know he's going to have some some big shoes to to hopefully fill in uh and speaking of those uh Athlon Sports just released their 2019 all-American, uh, well, preseason honors for, for All-Americans, and two Tigers made the list. Uh, Grant Delpit, uh, who was actually a unanimous All-American after last season and a Nagurs- Nagurski award finalist, and uh, also Christian Fulton uh, made second team as a cornerback, so uh, there's some more credence, or, or cred, I should say, for for DBU for well, preseason absolutely. honors.
1: And you know the interesting thing about Christian Fulton, um, obviously he had that he had the suspension that was lifted last year, but he started off the year suspended. But uh, I've heard from more than uh, more than one uh, source, and and then also reading online that going into uh, or when you look at Christian when you looked at Christian Fulton and and Greedy Williams, uh, you know, excluding the suspension, Christian Fulton was actually looked at as by NFL scouts as the as the better quarterback. So, you know, we lose Greedy Williams to the draft, and you kind of think, "Oh man, that's a uh, that's a huge you know that's huge shoes to fill." How are we going to do that? And you've got, uh, and you've got uh, Stingley coming in, and he's more of the, and he's you know the the uh, highly touted cornerback who you kind of see filling that Greedy Williams spot, but in reality, um, and and you might see this in the draft because Greedy Williams kind of fell in the draft uh, in the NFL draft further than was expected. You know, Col- uh, uh, Christian Fulton might end up being the the, uh, the better prospect of the two, and and you know, we'll see what happens this season. But he, you know, look for him to have a have a, a
0: more breakout year. Yeah, I, I expect to, uh, and I'm glad he he was cleared with all that, and then he's coming back because uh, he does have that year remaining. So it's good for him to come back, make a name for himself, so that he can probably get drafted as high as possible. Uh, Cause I, I think I, I agree with you. I think he's going to go uh, higher than, than greedy Williams did uh, shifting gears really quickly. Uh, the the NBA draft was this past week. Um, only one tiger got picked, but uh, it was uh Tremont waters with the 51st pick to the Celtics. Uh, so that was, uh, that was some good news. And Nas Reed did not get drafted. Um, I don't know if that's a surprise or not, just based on, you know, things that they kind of been said. Uh, if, you know, if he was ready or polished enough. I mean, he definitely has the athleticism. I mean, he definitely has the size. I just don't know if they saw, you know, if he was. NBA ready, but he did sign an undrafted free agent agreement with, the Minnesota Timberwolves for two years. So I think he's going to start out in their G league. Uh, but you know, if, if he gets the, you know, the right coaching, I, I think he could work his way back up into the NBA because I mean, the guy's just, uh, he, you know, he can be a monster around the boards. And also Cavell Begbie Williams also signed a, a contract with the Hornets, uh, which I think is a one year minimum. So uh, after one week, we got three tigers. Hopefully, in the NBA soon, uh, which uh, you know that's pretty good for the program, as uh, you know something. Will Wade can continue to build off of. Yeah,
1: when you when you go and you recruit these these young guys in high school, you want to be able to point to success stories from the program and say, you know, yeah. this is what we can we can make you we can make you into. Um, talking about Nas Reed, uh, I, I I would agree. I think that he probably that the scouts probably just you know, didn't think he was as polished as, uh, as they wanted out of a, out of a drafted player. Um, I'm pleased to see he got a, you know, he signed a contract, but we, you know, when I, when we, and we talked a little bit about this, uh, earlier when, uh, when you look at Nas Reed and Javante smart, both freshmen who played, you know, who basically started the entire season last year, Javante smart was easily the, uh, the standout of the freshmen. And he's of course coming back. So, I, I think that does lend a little bit of credence to maybe staying instead of, uh, you know, going after one and done um, there. I could, I can just think, think off the top of my head, you know, some of Nas, Nas Reed is incredibly talented. He's incredibly, uh, you know, at, athletic, but mm-hmm. um, there definitely is some polishing that needs to be done about his, his defensive rebounding. He can offensive rebound, you know, better than almost anybody. And I, mean, I think we, we did real well off the offensive glass, but some of the uh, more mundane, you know, defensive rebounding that, that you need to do in order to win, I saw him miss a lot of defensive rebounds, you know, during SEC play. So that's probably some of the stuff that they look at and they say we don't want to spend a draft pick on you, but we'll sign you and, and develop you. Um, you know, I wish all the best to him. I, I think he'll be a good talent if he, you know, if if uh, if he sticks to it and everything. Um, but I hope that uh, in the future we can. You know, we can. More players will follow the Javante Smart model of uh, entering the draft under that new rule that, uh, in the NCAA, where you can enter the draft and then kind of check out where what your draft stock is. Have scouts look at you, and then choose to come back. Um, I like that rule. I think it gives the the players a little bit more flexibility, and I think it's also going to promote more you know second
0: or third year players staying and playing. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, you know, with the uh, with the NCAA with football, if you declare, you know, that's it. You forfeit the rest of your eligibility. But if I was Will Wade, or if I was any coach in America, that's what I would tell my players: is Hey, look, you can declare, test the waters, um, but if you don't get, just do not sign a contract with an agent. Mm-hmm. That way, you can still go forward. Trust me, if you get drafted. You're going to have your choice of whatever agent you want. But yeah. if you don't get signed, you can come back. You can work on things. And that way you don't get, you know, I don't want to say stuck, but, you know, you, you won't get um, uh, left with just having to go with the D League or G League and having to work your way back up. Where yeah. as you stay here, you know, you you get another year of education, if nothing else
1: yeah it, it makes it more it makes it less of a binary decision yes or no am i going or not right um right it allow it allows that flexibility uh one of the you know it basically i think you're right i think it's only you you can't hire an agent and you have to stay enrolled in the college so nas reed yeah. after um he he uh i want to say after or starting the spring semester he was not enrolled or something like that like i i know that yeah. when they when when they started announcing for the NBA draft, they listed all the players that we talked about had uh, had le- basically left that left that opening, and, and had stayed enrolled at LSU except for Nas Reed, um, so he almost you know he took a little bit of a gamble almost, or maybe he was just done with LSU, which is you know his his right, but either way you know I like the model of staying enrolled. Testing in the waters, see how good you see how good the NBA thinks you are, and see how good the scouts think you are, and then making your decision from there.
0: Right. And I think his mind was pretty much made up. You know, if he'd have gone yeah. to LSU, if he'd have gone to somewhere else, I think that's just the path he chose for himself. And no, that's fine.
1: Right. Yeah, he wouldn't uh, would have he, and done anywhere else.
0: Yeah. But, uh, you know, again, just it goes back to us saying, well, you know what, if I'm a coach – you know, I think part of their job is it's not just to prepare them for the NBA, but you know, it's you know, kind of help prepare them for life a little bit. At least that's what they all tell us. So I would, I would just hit that home. It's like, stay with, stay here. Don't get an agent just in case. Um, because you, you, you just don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You just, you do not know. Um, you can have all the, the confidence in yourself, but you know, it takes someone else choosing you first. Um, but, uh, that's, that's it. So it was a pretty much an all in all good week for, for Will Wade in that program. Um, and for our, uh, another program, the the baseball program, uh, everything's done. Uh, the season, everything is in the books. Uh, it, you know, I think, uh, LSU fans might've felt slightly better about things if they knew they were a part of, you know, at least a little bit of destiny and Mike Martin, and FSU going on to uh, to maybe win the College World Series. But that didn't happen. They are done. It is now down to Michigan or or Vanderbilt. But uh, they, they did hand out some postseason awards, and Zach Watson got one. He got a gold glove, actually his uh, second in a row. And he was only the fourth LSU player to do so. Uh, the first one was Micah Gibbs back in 2009 as a catcher, and then – in 2015, we had two with Alex Bregman and Andrew Stevenson. Uh, so he's in some good company there. Uh, I'm kind of surprised there's only been four in all the years of uh, of championships dating back to you know the beginning of uh, Skip Bertman's rule. Yeah. Um, but uh, Watson only had one error in 143 chances, and that's just amazing. Uh, but I also wanted to give a uh, a kudos and a shout out to some other Louisiana players that did it. It was actually pretty Louisiana heavy as far as Golden Gloves go. Uh, Saloiza from New Orleans, he plays second base. He got one. Carson Maxwell, who is a third baseman from McNeese State, he also got one. Uh, so that's three Louisiana players right there. That's uh, I think that's that speaks something to to the level of play here in Louisiana. It's it's some it's not always just LSU, and I think LSU lost to. McNeese State earlier this year. They did. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, the, the talent's starting to, 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 filter out. So, uh, congratulations to all those players. And I also wanted to give a congratulation to Austin Mola, who was a former LSU player. He got called up by the Mariners for his first time since being drafted. Uh, and he got a hit on his first at bat. So I can't, I can't imagine what that feeling would be like you know you you you've played for years in the minors and you finally get your call to the show and it's your first at bat you know probably a thousand things going on at once in your mind uh, but you're able to get a hit and I don't know that that's probably the highlight of his career right there you know getting a hit in the majors and your first at bat oh yeah I, I just couldn't imagine I couldn't imagine
1: probably the only um, the only thing that could, top, that could top that is if it was uh, if he got the hit off his brother Aaron Miller.
0: Oh, right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. That, that's a house. That would be a house divided right there. Yeah. Um, you know, I hate to be your parents at that at that, but, uh, yeah, yeah, that would be funny. Um, but yeah, uh, all in all a good week for baseball. Uh, and now I guess we just have to look forward. Football is less than three months away and who knows what's going to come out, you know, between now and then. But uh everything starts seems to be trending up. You know, a lot of people talking about Joe Burrow finally uh he's gonna have his second year and he's ready. Yep. You know, they brought in Joe Brady, uh the passing game coordinator and I- I'm really excited to see what they're gonna do.
1: No, I am too, especially uh in that uh forget if it was Cocho or maybe Joe Brady after the spring game, we, you know, we got the, we saw the highlight of what uh, what they can do. Again, we we've already mentioned it, but they did not take a single snap under center, which is a big. Uh, if you know anything about LSU offenses, see, being able to say that is uh, not common. Um, but when, but the interesting thing was they were quoted uh, afterwards uh, saying that like we haven't even that, that they didn't show anything really. We haven't even seen any of the new offense. They've been you know keeping it close to the vest, which I like. Uh, so I'm, I'm anxiously waiting to uh, to see what they have to offer and what the new wrinkles are um, in the offense. Because, like we said, Joe Brady coming from the Saints, the Saints, some, you know, it's not the Saints aren't aren't a gimmicky offense, but they have these wrinkles where and Drew Brees has he's I mean obviously Drew Brees is the master, but he has uh, so much uh, he can do so much before the snap with adjusting and and changing the uh the play just in in minute ways that uh you know you could run the, th- the same play five times but it wouldn't look the same that it wouldn't it wouldn't have the same result so um mm-hmm. in fact I, I don't know if you saw on the red zone report somebody was uh on the red zone report twitter somebody was fighting i think with our account about how they're saying oh well all this all the saints do is run uh is run screen passes or did you see that
0: it was like a constant. Yeah, yeah. He was uh, he, the the stat was listed, and yeah, this guy said, "Oh, the reason Drew Brees has has all this is because they're all screen passes." And then um, uh, one of our our hosts and contributors, and actually the uh, the founder, uh, Brandon Varnum, he he wrote back and said, um, "Actually, no. It was only I think like 500 passes, so it was only accounted for about 10 percent." Yeah, and then the guy chimed back in and still tried to double down on it. Just well, sorry, the facts—the facts are right there. It's it wasn't that much of a, you know, it was only ten percent of of their yardage. So, well,
1: yeah, and, and the reason that, but the reason he says that is probably because because you have you'll have that same the same formation, same look, same play almost, but it they'll change you know two things about it. It'll look exactly the same to the defense. And then Drew Brees goes over the top. So. Yeah. Those little changes that can fool NFL defenses. I, I you know, that people talk about the drop off between NFL play and college play. There are some really great, you know, defensive backs. Obviously we have a great defensive back core. I don't know if they can read it, read a play like that. Just a little switch. If you've been running the same play screen, pass, screen, pass screen, pass, and then you, you know, just make a tiny switch and then go over the top with it. You know, that that's
0: something that I'm excited to see. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. And of course they wouldn't show too much. Uh, I wouldn't want them to show too much. And I definitely think LSU fans can finally like, you know, watching with this, uh, intrepidation of, Oh, we keep hearing about how the offense is going to change and we keep getting let down. I uh, mean, it may changed slightly under Matt Canada, but it was still mostly, you know, high formation and stuff like that. But I think LSU fans are finally going to get what they've been clamoring about for years, and rightfully so. And that is just a, a massive change, something that's just going to open things up and not look so basic, so that when we play the Alabama's of the world, um, you know, it just it doesn't look like they've read our playbook. Because yeah. that's what it's looked like the last few times. And I, I saw something, um, I think a LSU football or some LSU article had posted that uh, this was the year that LSU would be picked, or they were the only ones that are going to be picked to beat Alabama. And I thought, okay, well, we'll see. Um, it's, it's wishful thinking. I agree with that. But i would I'd just be more happy with them. Changing the offense and beating everybody else because if Alabama's your only loss, uh, you have to think your chances are pretty good to go into the playoffs. Yeah,
1: you're in the playoffs. You know? I mean, the uh, I think the article you're talking about, I, I, at least what I saw was that uh, LSU was the number one ranked team to beat Alabama. Like as as far as okay. the, I think it was something like that. Where it's like at rating yeah. every team in college football who is most likely to beat Alabama, which just shows you. I mean, to be honest. It just shows you the bias of, of sports media in that everything the, the you know the barometer of everything is can they but can they beat Alabama while Clemson is the reigning national champion so I find that a little bit funny but um because I think that was it, it even included like Oklahoma and you know it wasn't just SEC teams or teams on Alabama's schedule it was you know could Michigan beat Alabama which is just kind of like you know well I still think Clemson's probably the best team in in you know college football as a as of now. Um, right. But regardless of that, yeah, you know, I, I'm definitely excited for it. Um, but, but again, we can't, we can't keep over hyping the Alabama game. And we talked about it when, uh, I think two episodes ago when they moved the game to a 3 PM kickoff, yeah, but yeah, it takes a little bit of pressure off because in the end it's an SEC West game and that's all it is. You know, we want to win. We want to go into Tuscaloosa and beat them, but, if you lose it, you still can get in the playoff. Alabama's done it. Georgia's done it. You can, you know, you can and, and in fact it's almost the better way to get in because then you don't you play one less game. You can, you don't have to play the yeah. SEC Championship game. You don't have to risk injury, you don't have to risk suspension, you don't have to risk targeting. I mean, we did, we know all about that with Devin White. So oh, yeah. it's, you take out you take out a whole game of risk and you can sit there and watch and still get in the playoff. And I have, um, I've heard from some sources inside the program that LSU is aware that the LSU football, they're aware of, you know, of course it's not really anything novel, but yes, they, they know that with this new system, it's not the old BCS where you, you better win out or, you know, nothing you're done season's over. They're aware that, uh, that there are more than more than one way to get into this playoff. and, I think they're going to act accordingly and plan accordingly. Not necessarily. Yeah. I'm not saying they're going to intentionally lose. That's not what I'm saying, but there, I, I think that the, you'll find <laughs> that the expectations of uh, boy, that would be clipped if a lot of people were listening to this, uh, this podcast, <laughs> but yeah, um, I think you'll find that the expectations might be, might be tempered a little bit. You know, we might go into this game. You might hear the hype that whole week of it's just another game. We're going to go in there and play our best ball you know, we'll see what happens and not as much of the, I think the quote last year from coach O was, you know, we're coming and we're not backing down. And this is what you come. He said, I think he said something like, this is what you come to LSU for. You come to coach in this game. All you know, this is the game that matters. Well, no, every sec game matters. They all matter. And we're going to try our best. We're going to do our best.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree with that. And, but I also think, uh, coach O, uh, I think he does believe it because, you know, every program has that one game at least where, you know, you, you get psyched up. I mean, just remember her walk, walking down Tiger Walk, throwing his fist, pumping, jumping up. He was excited. Oh, yeah. He thought he, he was going to be the one to finally, uh, you know, break break the, break the, the spell, um, and I, I don't think I'd want him to lose that. But I also think a little bit of it is throwing some red meat to the base. You know, you yeah. want the fans to stay excited about it because if they don't, then, you know, it's it's not going to be the same environments. I know it's going to be in Tuscaloosa this year, but you want the fans to stay excited about it even if uh, even if success does not lend them to do so. But uh, I think uh, it is just about every game, and if you do lose that one, so what? It, I yeah. think the, the old BCS system just put a lot of pressure on every team to win every game um the playoffs i don't think it's too much different because you know you still you can maybe lose one game and, and still get in but yeah. uh, you can't I, I think it, and get in the playoffs but no uh, no I, I although i think it, i think it won't be too long before we do see a a two loss team you know maybe kind of like lsu did in 2007 where there was you know two overtime losses and then mm-hmm. coach O can say well no one beat us in regular time but <laughs> I I think it will happen and it just could be the uh, a bunch of factors and just one conference is just super loaded and depending on you know, if they lose if one team loses on two last second field goals, you know, um I don't think that's enough to, to say, well, they maybe they don't belong, uh, considering, you know, who the competition is. You know, if LSU also on a last second field goal to Alabama, you know, I don't think that's anyone would say, All right, well, you can't say that Maybe they don't deserve to play one of the other two or three teams in the country if they were the only ones to hold Alabama that close. Uh, but if they lost to, say, I don't know Vanderbilt on a last-second field goal, then you know that that kind of eliminates the conversation. Yeah, it all it, depends it, who
1: you lose to. It all depends. Yeah, it all depends on who you lose to, and then it, it also at that point we're looking at you know it would have to be something like a number number three Ohio State loses to. Uh, you know Iowa Iowa Community College and uh, you know number number four uh, Penn State lost to uh, the, the rec team down the road so, yeah. <laughs> to, to where it's just it's just you know devastating losses that just take these teams who, who would be in the conversation just completely out of contention um, kind of like what you said about in 07 where uh, I, that was the year that Michigan lost to Appalachian State in that crazy game where Appalachian mm-hmm. State was like a D two team, and Michigan would have been in the would have been in the national championship, and then they lost that game, and that's what catapulted, you know, what gave what gave LSU the end to just sneak in. So, you know, when you when you are maybe a two loss team, a two loss LSU team, you do, you will need some magic from uh, from uh, you know other from other losses. But uh, the point is, is that yeah, you don't need to win out. And, and I just to go back, like, I love, no, I love the energy. I love Coach O's energy. I love that he, he's his excitement because you can tell he's, he's so incredibly proud to be this program's head coach, but I do. I do oh also, yeah. Go
0: ahead. He's living his best life. Uh, oh, coach yeah. O is living his best life. He's living his dream. And I, you know, I think some of that, uh, you know, that, I think that fuels some of it. I, I can't imagine that, you know, a good coach from elsewhere would have, had the same enthusiasm that, that Coach O does. So I think for those reasons, that's why you know I'd say let's give him some time because I, I think he was uh, a really great hire, possibly the best hire, just because he loves the program. I think that got him a lot of leeway just because he's so passionate about the program and they're not just trying to find someone who's a good coach that can take him to the next, like a Jimbo Fisher.
1: Yeah. you
0: know. And if, if politics and or – you know fans' feelings weren't involved, I think he'd be our coach right now, but uh, yeah, you, you know, know. Coach o is the coach o, I think was the next best uh, option at the time.
1: and knowing what I know now, I think he might be the best option, right you know as of right now uh, because you know I don't know if I mean would you trade Jimbo Fisher right now for coach? O? Um, a level playing field, you know, nothing happened. Coach O goes to, goes to A&M, Jimbo comes here.
0: Because uh, from, from
1: my point of view, I mean, I don't think Jimbo Fisher's had as good a year recruiting. I don't think Jimbo Fisher's been recruiting out way out of state, like, in, in, you know, from states you've never even thought about for, for Texas a and M. I right. don't think Jimbo Fisher's had, any, you know, incredible wins other than the LSU win that shouldn't have been a win. Um. And I mean now he's a great coach and all that, but something I've been throwing around a lot and I I think it you know, I'm kinda uh, warming to the idea. So if you remember Dabo Sweeney's trajectory, he took over for Tommy Bowden at uh, at Clemson. Nobody knew who he was, he had a he had a weird name, what does Dabo mean? And they thought, oh well this guy's a placeholder until yeah. the new guy comes in. And but he put his head down, he went to work. And he started recruiting really well, and he started to build a niche of, you know, I think I think I'm not I'm not sure what their niche is when they're talking to top top level recruits. I can say I've been to Clemson, South Carolina. It's you know beautiful, great place, and the campus is awesome and everything. But I think their niche is you want to come to a top level program where we don't have to play Alabama. If you're not gonna if you're not being recruited by Alabama, you want to come you want to come here. And we'll, if we see him, we'll see him in the national championship. And that's kind of his pitch. I would think that's his pitch. And so he developed. And that's a,
0: and pitch. that's a good pitch. No, that's it's a, a great good pitch. pitch. I mean, yeah. And he, uh, no disrespect to, you know, the players and teams in the ACC, but that, that could be my pitch too. And that's, I think that was part of the reason uh, Bobby Bowden, you know, was completely content at Florida state. He's like, why yeah. am I going to go to the SEC and have a grueling schedule every year and maybe get to my own conference championship game when I can stay here and be the you know run the roost so to speak, and then play those same teams in the postseason, which which he did, and I think that's probably uh, you know part of Dabo's, you know mindset uh, at least okay. for his players is yeah because he, he has the proof is in the pudding he got to yeah, the I, game and he won, but
1: I think that but the, I think the point is is that you know he put his head down and for years Clemson was on the rise but still people kind of never thought they were going to eclipse and get to the point they're at now and then i remember i was at this game it was a Chick-fil-A Bowl in Atlanta Clemson versus LSU and oh yes i, I mean, remember you'll remember that and it was we had this is the team this is the year after we went to the national championship you had you said Eric Reid on the team you had Marquivius Mingo Sam Montgomery uh, Zach Mettenberger Odell Beckham all these great players, top, top, top talent, and it kind of a disappointing year, and and then and, and Clemson, Clemson beat us, and that was I, I people I, I know after the national championship this year they were talking about Dabo Sweeney and they were saying that that win against LSU was that year was the the win where he arrived and Dabo was here to stay Dabo had beaten a national a national talent a national brand and this was the new Clemson. And that was with Taj Boyd, the Clemson quarterback, and, and some of the, I think Sammy Watkins was on that team. And so from there, he continued to build. I see the same trajectory with Coach O. And that this year, you know, that, that play, uh, the Fiesta Bowl against, you know, the, the reigning national championship UCF team, and when, for us to just kind of basically, you know, beat him beat to a bloody pole. And to mm-hmm. show Coach O is, you know, Coach O can coach in a big, a big New Year's Six bowl. He's here to stay, and and the proof is in that recruiting. I I think I could I can see a a, fe- a future four years from now where LSU is the is the Clemson
0: that Clemson story, and Coach O is the Dabo. So you're saying right here and now, on the, right now, I'm, the, on the, the, podcast, the Coach O is the next Dabo Swinney.
1: I, I, you know what? Right now on the podcast, I'll I would say that in 2023, I will be at the national. Sh- no, I'm kidding. I'm not. I'm not saying anything. <laughs> no, don't stop. I'm not you, saying you it. I'm built a, I'm it a up. Total jinx. We to talked commit. about this last pod. I'm saying that that Koto is a good coach.
0: <laughs> there you go. No, I mean, I, I, I would rather you have just gone on, gone ahead and made that full projection of LSU taking it all uh, in 23. I know the fans would definitely be on board with that. And I definitely, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I'll I'll take it. You got the ball rolling though. Just remember that. (laughs) Um, But I do remember that game against Clemson. And I think some of Davos credit, if, if you're, you know, if that is pretty much how it happened, that that game catapulted them to a next level, yeah. You know, getting that win, if that's what it is, then I think Dabo Swinney owes part of his success to John Chavis. <laughs> because if you watch that game, Clemson came all the way back. LSU Sue had a pretty good lead. It was double digits. Oh yeah. And um the last I think it might have been the last drive of the game, they had Clemson, I think, fourth and fifteen inside their own twenty. Yes. And they 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 converted and they went down the field, scored. I'm pretty, and sure was a, and thus, I'm pretty sure
1: it Pretty sure they converted on like a on a pass to Sammy Watkins too. And I think they they did. They indeed Taz
0: Boyd to Sammy Watkins.
1: And I think it was either J, at the Mills at the time we had Jalen Mills and Jalen Collins both on you know both cornerbacks. And I think one of the Jalen's missed a tackle because I'll tell you a funny. So I was at the game in the Georgia Dome, the old Georgia Dome, and right. my family. Uh, I've got a lot of Clemson grads in my family. So, uh, we'd bought tickets, but we'd bought tickets on the Clemson side. So I was one of you know maybe zero people uh, wearing purple and gold on the in in a sea of orange. And so for the whole game, I'm just you know loving life. This is hilarious. I'm standing in the Clemson section, and this is great. (laughs) If that play happens, and I'm pretty sure I just sat down because I was like, oh, not please, no, not again. (laughs) Yeah, I think we
0: all knew once they converted that fourth and when 15, you see, yeah, when, it's just a demoralizer. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's when the, uh, I think the, you know, the, the Tennessee fans are like, see, told you third and Shavis." <laughs> and so that's why a lot of LSU fans weren't that upset when he went to A&M. Yeah. You know, I mean, LSU didn't break out the big bucks and give him 2 million like they did with Dave Aranda. Obviously he was done behind the, you know, behind the books or off the books behind the back, whatever. But, um, Good, you know, that's fine. And I don't think A and M has them either. So uh but uh, yeah, I remember that game. Um so I, I hope that LSU is on that same trajectory based on what you just said. There's only one way to find out. Yeah, uh tune in next season, right? Yep. <laughs> tune in. Well and of course All right. tune into the next podcast as well. So <laughs> Uh yes, exactly. Uh, who knows what's going to happen between now and our next podcast? But we will definitely uh, keep you abreast of everything that happened. Uh, well, that'll be it for us, I think, folks. Um, so, if you wouldn't mind, you know, if you like the show, consider making a donation from the support us tab at the dot com. Then you know, the more you support us, the more content and uh, projections we can keep bringing you. Uh, and give us a follow on Twitter at RZRLSUpod, pod, and uh, check out the website LARedZoneReport.com. dot com. Um, you can follow me too at scottgerard one and at Tommy Johnson, L A capital L capital A. Um, any last thoughts there, Tommy?
1: Uh, I don't know. Just go Tigers.
0: Go Tigers. Uh, that's good enough for me. All right, folks. Uh, tune in next time, and we'll see you then.